Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here's your host, David Chavez. All right. Good morning. This is a Strategy Sherpa Show, and today I got a guest that you are going to enjoy. Uh, I have Ben and Cross from Glomo, and he is going to be sharing some of his insights since he started his business. And um, I'll, I'll go into to that just a, a little bit more in just a second. But I wanted to share with everybody, you know, we had a uh, workshop in uh, Dallas uh, just not too long ago. We had a great response to that event and we did a lot of really great learning um we actually sold out the event we actually sold out three extra tickets um we had to squeeze people in a little bit but it was worth it and everybody's glad we squeezed them in so we ended up having a really good workshop with a lot of great companies there and really learning and taking away a lot about how they can scale and grow their company but let's jump into the show because this is going to be an interesting show. We have a we have a guy here that's going to be a lot of fun to uh, talk to. So, uh, Ben, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, please? Thanks so much. It's great to be here on the Strategy Sherpa show. I love the concept too of talking about our failures. I feel like I could write a coffee table book about my failures. <laughs> it, it, it's just it's such a great topic. I, uh, so so kudos to you and what you're doing. Lo love Thank the you. work here. And and also anybody that's thinking about doing one of David's workshops, highly recommend it. I've been to a couple of them and, and they're transformational. But uh, but yeah, I'm Ben Cross. I'm the CEO and founder of Glomo. Glomo is a consulting and recruiting firm in the global mobility space, hence the name Glomo. Been in business now for three years and uh, it's been a wild ride and through <laughs> some of the craziest three years we've probably ever had in business in the world. So uh, I've learned a lot in a short amount of time. I think we learn a lot from our failures and I'm looking forward to being able to share some of those. So, so, so you said global, what did you call it? Global? Global mobility. Don't tell anybody, David. It's my thing. Okay. So don't, okay. don't let anybody know, but it's my niche. Okay. I won't. I won't. Um, no, <laughs> no global, global mobility. So global mobility is really the practice of mobilizing talent, people, you know, human beings around the world to pursue jobs, right? So, so relocation, right? So if you got relocated by Amazon from Dallas, Texas to London, England, or just to New York, or just to Topeka, Kansas, or whatever. It's the it's the practice of that and everything that goes into that, from the, the real estate to the household goods, moving logistics, to the visa and immigration tax. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that kind of stuff. And that's really where we specialize. So you're like a you're like a company's back office when it comes to relocating their people. Well, so our clients are exactly that thing. Well, we support those clients. So we support them from a recruitment standpoint and from a strategy and business development consulting standpoint. Okay. And, and, and so like um, specifically you, you help with the recruiting yep, and, correct, then, yeah. and then you so help they, with the relocation also? Well, we, we, 
don't actually do the relocation. They okay. do the re- they do the relocation. We recruit for those relocation management companies and moving companies and corporate housing companies and immigration companies, things like that. So we might recruit everything from a business immigration lawyer to a relocation management company executive to a salesperson in the space. I so see. we support the service providers in that industry. Okay, very, very, very good. And, and, and um, so, 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 tell me a little bit about you. Um, where did you go to school? Where did you grow up? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up. I was born in Dallas, Texas, but I grew up in White Plains, New York. I went to school in SUNY Albany. If y'all have heard of that, mm-hmm. uh, shout out to the Albany Great Danes who were in the semifinals of the <laughs> FCS championship this past week. We got smoked by South Dakota State, but anyway, whatever. You know, um, met my wife there, and then moved down to Dallas after school, and and got started at a at a little company called Pods. And was working at their uh, in their call center, and that's kind of how I I got started. I got an English degree um, at, with an Africana studies minor. My whole family was like, "What are you going to do with that?" I was like, "I don't know." And now it turns out I write these uh, very very important and high paid emails to people. So who would have thunk it? <laughs> uh, I love it. You know, um, it was funny when I, I I started with Arthur Anderson, and uh, uh, one day in the I was in the Las Vegas office, and one day this guy shows up, and he was from Britain, and and started talking to him. He had a Spanish degree. Um, he was one of the best accountants I've ever worked with. He he wow. he he never had accounting training. He was just really really smart. And Arthur Anderson wow. obviously knew he was really smart, and they hired him. And just a great leader, and just a really smart person, and um, very very knowledgeable about accounting. And it was just amazing to watch. So I I don't think you necessarily need a business degree to be in business. Maybe a liberal arts degree could be a little bit better, different path. I appreciate that story. It's very validating uh, for me. So there's hope for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I think, I, a little think bit I think, I think we dog, I think we dog the, the liberal arts degrees. I think we, we have for generations. Cause I think we're, oh, we're, we're making up for we're compensating for this lack of STEM, you know, yeah. degree pursuit in our in our culture, right? So we're like, oh, everybody should be in science, everybody should be in computer science and engineering, et cetera. And now they're saying with the with the proliferation of AI and all these other things, you know, um, the number one computer coding language is going to be English. And it's going to be about how well do you write prompts that produce the, uh, the the output you're looking for, right? And so we're back all the way back to the English language being so so key and vital and how how people express themselves. So I think uh, I think our time to just write. Yeah, yeah. So so you were born in Dallas. I actually met you in Dallas. So you're back in Dallas now, right? This is the fourth time I've lived in Dallas, third time since college, and hopefully it sticks. Uh, this is home for me. I think we've lived in New York. We lived in in Michigan, Florida, North Carolina. So we've we've bounced around following my career. But now that I own my own business, I get to choose where I live. And, and this is where we've chosen. So we're, we're, we like it here. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, I love Dallas, too. Dallas has a lot of energy right now, really. Um, a lot of growth, a lot of energy, a lot of entrepreneurs here. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it just it's it's really a lot of energy in Texas altogether. Even down in Austin, where um, we're at right now, and and so, um, look, I wanted to talk a little bit about like um, on the Strategy Sherpa show. We don't have normal conversations here, right? We have conversations where we don't we don't let uh, we we don't have leaders come on and tell us how great they are. Um, but we have them explain to people some of the mistakes they made because I think that. Growing a company 
is about the mistakes that you make, right? And and learning from those mistakes. And what we really are doing, it's not to show that uh, um, somebody made the mistake and rub it in their face. It's to, to talk about the mistake, talk about the circumstances around the decision that they made, and then talk about how they fixed the mistake. And so, so let's talk a little bit about what is the thing that went a little haywire in your business? You said you've owned it three years. I know you just got off the ground. I met you about a year, year and a half ago when you were on fire and things were happening really well. Um, so share with, the, share with the audience what your mistake or what you found. Yeah. So like you said, we were on fire, right? And last year in 2022, we, we were just growing like crazy. We were doubling. Um, you know, and, and we hit our million dollar mark, which is a big deal for, for entrepreneurs and founders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it means that you kind of, you have fit there. People are willing to pay for what you have at, at some scale. And so we were really kind of excited about it. Uh, we had launched our recruitment business. We had, we'd gone from zero to a hundred zero to $850,000 in recruitment revenue in the first year, which I didn't know if we, it was even gonna be successful at all. So we were thrilled with that. Right. Right. But because I hadn't been in the recruitment business, I didn't realize, looking back on it, we were in the middle of what is arguably the best year or two years in recruiting in the history of mankind. Yeah. I mean, there was a perfect storm of, of beautiful things happening and tailwinds where where companies, you know, were coming out of, of, of COVID and, and there was all this pent up demand that was hitting the market. So people couldn't staff fast enough. They needed everybody yesterday. They were willing to pay, you know, due to, you know, things like inflation, due to things like just supply and demand issues. Yeah. They're willing to pay 10, 15, 20% more than they had paid before. They're willing to let everybody work from home because why not? And, and it was like shooting fish in a barrel, right? And so we were just killing it. We were killing it. We made 56 placements that year. Um, having just started our first placement in January. So we're thrilled with that result. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's go. Sky's the limit, right? Let's just go. Cause we got our BHAG, you know, I've been, I've been talking to some, you know, great <laughs> strategy people that are like, get a BHAG, right? You know, it's, it's got to scare you, you know? And so I'm like, all right, let's put this BHAG out there. And, and I was supposed to get to a hundred million dollars in 10 years. Right. I mean, why not? We're, we're doing scary stuff. So I'm like, well, the only way to get there is to, is to double again. So we doubled from 500,000 to a million last year. And now this year we were like, okay, let's double to 2 million. Well, apparently it's not as easy as writing it on a piece of paper. Uh, you have to actually do stuff and you have to have some cooperation from, from, from your clients. Right. And so I said, well, let's just keep that million we did last year and let's layer another million on top. How hard could it be? We did it once we do it twice. And the million that we had baseline, all of our existing clientele basically just went away. Right. It all just evaporated. All that demand for operational people in the relocation industry just went away. And I mean, literally, if I ran my client list from 2022, my top 10 clients, eight of them probably gave me zero revenue this year. Wow. Wow. You know, and, and so the rug like kind of literally kind of felt like it got pulled out from underneath us. And, and especially at this small stage, those reoccurring clients are really, really important, right? Huge, huge, right? And so, and so at the same time, going into 23, this, you know, the very beginning of this year, going into 23, we were sitting there, we're doing our budget, you know, budget meetings, uh, meeting really smart strategy coaches like David, right? And they're, and they're getting me scheduled, you know, kind of thinking about the next year. And so I'm like, okay, in order to double, I've got to 
double my staff, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to hire six recruiters. I'm going to really go into this. I'm going to invest all of our of our of our retained earnings in, into this, right? And um, and now I'm going to need I'm going to need management structure to to manage these recruiters, right? To be productive, right? So I'm going to need an implementer, right? So I'm going to take and of course everybody on my staff was a, a production person at the time. So I'm like, okay. All right, here I go. I'm going to take I'm going to take the imp, I'm going to take the person that's been kind of running our consulting business, which is our recurring revenue stream. I'm going to put her on top of this team that I'm growing, right? To 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 be that implementer, to be that execution person. I'm going to take uh my top biller recruiter and I'm going to turn him into a player coach in order to kind of mentor these new people and train them. Right. So I took my two, basically my two top builders besides myself and I reallocated them into management positions. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I took on all these new people who didn't know our business, who needed to be trained, who weren't proven. So I'm taking all this overhead and I'm also cutting production at the same time. And then our demand fell through the floor. So you were cutting production? Well, by taking my production people okay. and allocating their time now to managing others right. who weren't yet producing, and very, you know, very invariably their production dipped. Okay, so so what you're saying is you had big aspirations for 2023. You were going to double yeah. the size of the business. Um, you went after that double of the size of the business. And thinking that you were going to double the revenue capacity by increasing the revenue generators, which is yeah. you hired six of them. And then you promoted your best performers to leaders yeah. or managers in the company. And so then you reduced your production level by, by per, making those people managers instead of leaving them producing. And then you yep. hired six new people that are fresh and green and wet behind the ears. Yeah, who are costing me money, who aren't producing and paying for themselves. Right. right. So that you would probably have three to six months before they're even going to be effective, really. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. All right. Well, I think we have the great framework up here, Ben, of of, of what the issue is. And we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this a little bit. Hey, everyone out there, um, I, I, I tell you, this is a pretty good big issue. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing a webinar at the end of January on the 30th at 1 p.m. Central Time on um cash and how to improve your cash flow in your business. Your employees think you make a lot of money and we're going to talk about how to build more cash into your business. Let's take a break and we'll be right back with Ben Cross from Glomo. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change 
the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all of the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. And what we do on this show is we talk about things that we've messed up in our businesses, our business decisions that we've messed up, not because we want to rub our nose in it, just because we want to help other people learn from some of the decisions we made and the circumstances surrounding those decisions, because at the time, they seem like great decisions. So we have Ben Cross here today, and I'll just summarize really quickly what Ben has shared with us so far. He was having very great growth, and he had done a little over a million in his second year of operation. Uh, I I think it was second year of operations. Heading into the third year, he made some pretty big plans to double that, and um, he is sitting at the end of the year with a little bit different point of view because things didn't go as well. And he talked about being in one of the best markets ever when he started the business. And uh, those two years were a great ride. And he ran into a little bit of a wall in 2023. So let's uh, let's talk about that, Ben. Like what what happened? What what happened? You had these great aspirations. You did the yeah. budgets, like you said. You were everything, uh, you, you know, you had, you'd clearly thought, I think we had met at late in 2020. You had pretty good idea what you were doing. You're pretty motivated. Yeah. Things were going well, right? Yeah, yeah. I Well, I think one of the first mistakes I, I made was I assumed demand would remain constant. Yeah. I didn't have enough experience in my market to understand the ebbs and flows of demand, right? And I assume demand would re- remain constant. I also think, if I'm being honest, I, I probably had some arrogance baked in there to say, well, screw demand, doesn't matter. I'm going to go get it, right? I have this magnetic business model, right? All these great, re- yeah, I've, what I call my three R's, reach, relevancy, relationships. I can trade on those. If, if everybody else is starving, I'll still be okay, right? right. And to some degree, that was true. But there was massive headwinds we hit in 2023 from a hiring perspective. So I think I was I think there was some arrogance and some and some lack of knowledge about about the demand cycles in the business house. Well, yeah, the second you, thing. Oh, go ahead. No. I, I, go ahead. I, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and I was just going to say the second thing is I took I took people who were who were successfully producing revenue, doing their job, making 
rain to some extent, right? For our for our firm, and I put them in non-revenue producing roles, right? Like, what the hell was I thinking? And then the third the third thing I would say is I took on too much overhead too fast. So when yeah. the demand went away, the burn rate just killed me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. So 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 you started off a little bit, and you talked about a little bit about um, the decision making around the year and. So you went into the year and you had a little bit of arrogance, you know, like for somebody to actually say that, I love when people actually say that to themselves, because all of us have to have an ego to own a company, right? But then you also have to keep your ego in check as you're growing your company, right? And you have to have the ego, because if you don't have the ego, you're going to run into way too many failures and you'll just stop. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, so so you're talking about that that got a little bit ahead of you. Yeah, you gotta, I mean, you, you're exactly right. You have to have an ego to even to even be a founder. Right. To even say, oh, I can do this better than whoever I was working for. Right. I mean, there's a lot of ego implicit in that. Right. But then the, the, the flip and you need ego when all your friends and family tell you you're stupid and you shouldn't be doing it. Right. And then when your employees doubt your strategy, yeah, you want to listen to it at the same point. You got to plow ahead. Right. Yeah, you also have to be self-aware. It's, it's a crazy balance, you know, because um, otherwise you can just run yourself into a brick wall. So, and I, and I kind of do that, but I, I fortunately I hit the brakes. I think um, midway through, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that that I, I've I've surrounded myself with some good some good coaches who who have seen some things and kind of keep you uh, true to the fundamentals of your business and looking at ratios and things like that. And they can tell you three months out, hey, you're in crisis mode. You need to bat in the hatches. You need to make some severe some cuts and do some hard things. And they challenge you and they keep you accountable to that. Right. And so I'm I'm blessed in that regard for That's sure. That's great. That's great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So so um so so. You made these decisions. When did you start to realize that things weren't going as well as you wanted them to? Like, hey, uh, I, I like I said, I think yeah. I think I actually sat down with you sometime around this time last year, and you had come to one of my workshops, and we sat down and we yeah. went over some behavioral assessments we use because we do that for attendees. We do some extra things. Like, if you come to one of our workshops, I come and spend four hours with you for free. And just uh, try to help you learn scaling up a little bit so you can get it a little bit into your company, even if you can't afford to use us, right? And so Mm -hmm. I came and sat down with you and your head lady, and we had some conversations about the business and the planning of it. And everything seemed pretty good at that point. And you were going, you had a pretty good plan. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's like in sports they say winning cures all. Well, in business, revenue cures all, right? If you have mm-hmm. revenue, like all the other, you know, things that aren't fundamentally sound in your business, and eh, whatever, sort it out, right? right. Um, I think I think some of the problems started to to bubble around that time, right? I think we identified that we weren't necessarily aligned, and, and that trust was a problem in our organization. Uh-huh. And this is something I gave you full credit for because you 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 gave us the the five dysfunctions of a team. You recommended that to us um, more than once. And the first time I heard it, I was like, "This is a crappy title for a book. I don't want to read this." And then the second time I heard it, I was like, "Okay, maybe I need to read this." And so we read it and we actually made it our kind of our book club book, you know, and it really helped calibrate us around Q3, but it took me that long to really implement that that concept in the business. But but to your to your point, the moment I knew I had a problem was in February, only a few months after we sat down and chatted. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a nice January. In February, we lost sixty-four thousand dollars. 
So when you're looking at that bank account every day, right? Cash is cash is uh is king, cash is reality. And you're looking at that bank account dwindle in chunks like that, right? Because I don't have a huge cash deposits. I'm a, I'm a million dollar firm, right? And so at any given time, I might have anywhere from you know seventy five to two hundred twenty five thousand dollars cash in the bank. And so when when it jumps to the negative sixty four thousand dollars in one month, you start to have some freak out moments. You're like, holy crap, you know? Yep. And and then you have a kind of a little bit of a bounce, a little bit of a bounce up, and you start to ah, the arrogance starts to creep back. In. Ah, you know what? I got this. And then. You go through the summertime, which is a very busy time in our business. It's the moving time, right? It's between kids are out of school, everybody's moving, whatever. Very busy time. And you have very down months, like 40K revenue months in succession. And and there was months where where we lost 15, 20. There was months where we lost $51,000 in a month. So when I started seeing these, these negatives pile up on us, I was like, holy crap, we are, we're getting our ass kicked out here. Excuse me. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, you, you, you're you're fine. Uh, people yeah. people have heard that word before on the show. Okay. So 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 uh, so, uh, um, so so you were out there, and it just got a little intense then for for you when when the revenue started declining. So so like like you had all these plans, the the revenue starts to shoot down. What was causing that downturn? What were what were some of the impacts of that? So you took the two best revenue generators you had out of the business and made them leaders. And yeah. then and then you brought in a whole bunch of other people that weren't able to really sell yet. And it would probably take them another two to three months before they even became effective enough to speak to somebody and really show them that they had the ability to do what they needed their help with. Um, so what, 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 what happened? Yeah, so that, there's that too. And, and also the fact that now I have more, more recruiters on my team and I have less jobs. So then going back to that trust issues that started to creep up. Right. So now more people on the team are fighting for less work. Right. Right. So people are starting to also feel like that scarcity mindset creep in. And, so oh, the lead, so job. the leads. The leads decreased quite a bit then. Is that what you're saying, right? Significantly. And another thing, the characteristic of the business that changed this year was we had a ton of repeatability. So last year, we'd have one client give us five, six, seven job orders. We'd place 12, 14, 18 jobs with one client last year. Wow. And a lot of them were the same roles too, right? So you need coordinators let's use coordinator you need coordinator we do five coordinators for you so we'd, we'd source it once and oh because it's stay it's it's work from home you know it doesn't matter where they're based right so i get one from des moines iowa i get one from chicago it doesn't matter right and so it was it was super it was easy i hate to say it's easy it was kind of easy right and and so now this year we'd get more senior roles strategic sales roles the good news is silver lining our revenue per order went way up this year so it went from eighteen thousand on average last year to twenty four thousand five hundred this year. So that's beautiful. That's a huge blessing. But our amount of our placements went from fifty six thousand from fifty six placements last year down to I think we did thirty thirty and change this year, maybe thirty two. Probably were a shakeout. So about half right. as many placements, you know. And so, so point is, um, and every job was a unique source. Every job was very much a bespoke requirement. So we'd get a client, we'd have to we'd have to sell that client. 
We'd have to negotiate the client. We'd have to sign that client. We'd have to do a job intake on that client. And we'd work that job without much replication. Now to say all that work that we've done, how much can we replicate that and use that in other places? The answer for the first half of the year was not much. And right. so it became, made everything harder and more time consuming to, to work on. Oh, circumstances. Wow. So so you have all these effects going on. And then you said something a little bit earlier, and I just wanted to recapture that. You said that uh, revenue solves all problems. You know, um, I've, I've, I've said it on the show before, and I'll probably say it again a million more times because it's one of my favorite quotes of Vern Harnish, who wrote the book Scaling Up, who I'm a certified coach with. Um, and he, he, he here's this quote, revenue is vanity, ego, right? Profit is sanity. I can sleep tonight. And cash flow is king, like you said. So, uh, um, and I like that quote because it puts things into perspective. Um, yeah, I could have a lot of revenue. I could have a big revenue company. But if I don't have the profit and the cash flow, the big revenue probably doesn't matter as much as I'd like it to. And, you know, you taught me that too. I remember you quoting Vern multiple times and I've been quoting you of quoting Vern multiple, multiple times in my in my business to let people understand the necessity for cash flow and also the 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 velocity of revenue through the business and why and why our net 15 terms and our and our AR and things like that is important. So you've you've taught me quite a bit from a perspective standpoint on that. Yeah. Well, we're going to take another break and we'll be right back after this. And we have Ben Cross with Glomo and he has that as a registered tra tra trademark, by the way. Glomo <laughs> is his registered trademark. Um, yeah. Don't be stealing my trademark. <laughs> so so um, uh, we'll catch you on the other side of the break, uh, Ben, but a great conversation so far. And really thank you for sharing what you're sharing because it's not easy to do that. And I have a lot of respect for you for sharing this with us. We'll be right back. Thank you. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. And get 
Amplified. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I think we need to get that phone number off there. We never get anybody calling, but a lot of people listen to the show live and then no one ever calls, but then also um, it gets replayed quite a bit. So we end up with about four to 5,000 listeners a month on the show. So I'll ha- I have to figure that out. Hey, Ben, we're into this. You're doing a great job sharing. I mean, the humility that you have to have right now to even be able to share this stuff is pretty gr- amazing to me. Um and uh, let's share a little bit about what you did to overcome this issue because February's come, the dark clouds are hanging over you, lightning striking around you, and um, and you, you knew that uh, that you had to do something now, right? Because you couldn't go another few months with sixty grand losses. Yeah, there was a time I remember this time where I felt like. This thing might actually go out of business. Like, is this, is this company actually going to go out of business? Like, this thing's an amazing company. We have great clients. We have a lot of great stuff going on. Like, am I going to go out of business? Am I going to screw around? And in that moment, I think I found the the um, the courage. I think, the, frankly, the fear motivated courage to actually make the cuts I needed to make. Right? Because the pain of doing the same thing became more than the pain of making a change. Right? And so I realized, okay, I'm cash flowing myself out of business here. And I need to make some cuts. And so a couple cuts were made from, from a culture standpoint. One of the things you taught me was, you know, culture is something you, you hire for and you fire for, right? And your values are something you hire for and you fire for. And we had people that were just not not team players. They just weren't weren't on the trust trust team and they weren't weren't making it happen. So those people left, um, not because they were costing me more than they were producing, although they were, mm-hmm. but because they just weren't team players. So they, they, they left. Um, the other thing I did was I took that implementer that I put over the recruitment team who didn't really know about recruitment and didn't have a passion for it. And I put her back where she had a passion and why she joined the company in the first place. I put her over our consulting business. That she's turned that consulting, our consulting business had withered down to 11 grand per month from about 24 and withered down to 11 because we were putting all our eggs in the in the recruitment basket, all our focus uh-huh. in the recruitment basket. She turned that thing around in about five months from 11K to now it's going to be doing monthly 32,000 per wow. month. In wow. about five months, she turned that thing around because she was back in her purpose and she was in her lane and she was where she wanted to be. And she was doing something she was proud of, you know, she could really sell it with conviction. So anyway, great. So she's back where she belongs, right? Um, and then the gentleman who was my top producer, and this is interesting, um, who I've made kind of into a player coach and became kind of a mentor role as well as well as producing, he actually quit. He actually quit the company. And I, I cried about it because I, I love this guy. He's my best friend at work. Uh, he's the one who started our recruitment business. Um, he went to do his own thing. And I was so proud of him for doing it. It hurt really bad. It was kind of scary. But I'll be honest with you, it was a blessing in disguise because he was our highest compensated person. And so when he left, that actually helped our bottom line, which we needed to stop the bleeding, right? right? And actually our team were able to absorb all of his production because they were they were really good and um and production was low. So he he left his his salary came off the, the PL. 
Um, she got reallocated to now to being revenue producing. I said, everybody in this company will produce. Everybody. We had so many non-revenue producing people. And ironically, the non-revenue producers have the highest fixed salary. No, right, the course. managers, the of managers, course, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I said, no, everybody's, including myself, everyone here is going to produce. And that's what we've done. And if everybody produces, and everybody is, then we will be productive as a whole. And and that's really been our mantra this this year now. Yeah. And that started, that started late summer. And it took us about two months to really turn the ship around. But we started to see the, um, we started to see the merits of that in October, we've been productive. Uh, we've been profitable in October. We've been profitable in November. We're going to be profitable in December. And I don't think I've strung together three months of profitability all year. Uh, that's great. So, so, and, and, and now you, you have different type of profit. You probably have a profit that you could see no matter what cycle you're in, the up cycle or the down cycle, the, 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 the structure you probably have now is probably a little more conducive to longevity, right? Um, I, I hope I hope so. I mean, it's it's definitely got longevity in the near term. It's got consistency, right? Because because the consulting business was retained retainer revenue, which is 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 recurring state steady revenue. Our video production income is also now recurring steady revenue, right? And so now our recruitment business, which is variable revenue and project base, uh, but when you hit it, it could be great. I mean, we could have fees of fifty, sixty thousand dollars sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So when you hit it, it's great. But if you don't hit it, it's not great, but we're still keeping the lights on with our recurring revenue. So I think it's a really nice blend of a high floor and a nice ceiling in a revenue right. standpoint. And, and, and I think that, um, like, like I, th- I think realtors have this issue. Um, there's a cyclicality uh, to the business that goes, and it just come, these things just go up and down, up and down. So yeah. the next up cycle, what are you going to do differently? Oh, great question. Well, I'm already thinking about it because I'm looking at next year in 2024 with interest rates coming down uh, three times the Fed has announced. I'm hoping for for an upcycle for the relocation and moving industry. Uh, I think I need to hire more people, but I don't think I'm going to hire so aggressively. I think I'm going to wait until they're productive, until I hire the next set of people. I think I'm going to be very conscientious of culture when I hire so that I don't make missteps there. And I'm going to keep continued focus on recurring revenue opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. And this, this podcast, you're going to have to remember that when you go back and you start to get that ego starts to go again, because things start flowering up on you. I want you to come back and look at this because it'll remind you of the discipline things you need to do. You know, um, in the good to great book, Jim Collins talks about a fox and a hedgehog. And the fox jumps from thing to thing. As entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of times the personalities that become entrepreneurs, we like to jump around from thing to thing. We don't. We get bored easily, right, with uh, certain things, and so um, we jump around from thing to thing and bring too many things into the company. And um, what the what what Jim Collins' point was is the hedgehog who does the same things every day, over and over, with that execution discipline of of consistency and um is what your customers really love and what you really have to focus on to scale your company for the long term so yeah, definitely that resonates with me for sure 
Yeah, that definitely does. Uh, I I, th- I think for all entrepreneurs, you know, because like when we start companies, like when I speak about this, I say entrepreneurs start c- companies because everyone else sucks at it. And that <laughs> and that mentality is the thing that actually hurts us in our growth pattern, right? Because we um, we come in and we get um, acknowledgement for the way that we're doing things by a few good customers. And then it starts to build that confidence and that confidence is what ends up getting us in trouble um, because I can share with you that your story is my story, right? Just took, I, I just had a different timing of effect with one of my companies. And I think all the entrepreneurs out there listening to this, most of them would probably tell you they have very similar story, right? Especially yeah. ones that self-funded their business like yourself. Yeah. And, and I think you did the same. And I think, I think it's funny you say, you know, I love, I love what you just said there is we start companies because everyone sucks at it. And then we find out we suck at it too. Right. Yeah. And we find out, oh, their problems are our problems too. We just didn't know. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, yeah, you criticize your parents and you become one. And you're like, oh, okay. I, yeah, I, I'm doing the same things, you know? So um, I think it's really interesting. And, and I started my company because I wanted to, um, I, I wanted to work at a company I wanted to, I wanted to be at. And, and I didn't want to have, um bosses that didn't get me and understand me and ironically i found myself making some of the same decisions that those bosses made that i didn't care for and and that's been a real thing i've had to grapple with i'm like am i turning into that boss i didn't like you know how do i how do i guard against that or maybe sometimes embrace the fact that that's just what's needed to happen right now sometimes you got to be the guy that says hey we can't afford to do this right now and and i hate to be that guy so it's it, discipline is is a big word right now that i'm learning right Right. Discipline is very important inside of a business, especially once it has a good uh, business model that is delivering for them. And um, I loved how you said it, the consulting side, you had actually neglected one of the the things that really got the company going for you. You end up accidentally neglecting. I'm sure you didn't intentionally do it, right? No, no, I did. I did intentionally do it because what I I felt like the consulting side was running its course. So when we do like consulting, we do business development and growth consulting. And it probably has a, it probably has a similar cycle to to maybe your consulting business, right? Where, where you come in, you make a massive impact right off the bat. You, you know, we work with them for a year Getting into the second year, they're kind of like, all right, I've kind of gotten it now. I figured it out. What have you done for me lately? You know, whatever. And and then the the relationship naturally kind of runs its course. Mm -hmm. And I saw that happening. And I felt like the recruitment piece was the piece that was going to be repeatable. um, And and maybe I was future-proofing my business by going into this repeatable thing because the consulting business felt to me more like a hustle, felt to me more like, a, hey, I'm going to get some money from people and I'm going to help some people here. But it's not a long-term thing because these relationships are going to cycle through. And what I don't think I under I underestimated, what I underestimated was the fact that, okay, we can get new clients. We can find new people that meet our client persona. And we can adapt that way. So, um, so that's what we're doing. And now we're in kind of a second chapter of our consulting business. And it's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I when, when you were talking, it was one other thing that I really wanted to uh, share with you that I really loved what you said. You know, when I, I when you started having trouble, you sat back and you looked at the people that maybe you were leaving in place that didn't really fit the culture of the company. And I would share with you that a lot of people wait until they're in trouble to do that, and they should be doing that all the time. 
right? Um, so I should constantly be asking myself, is this a culture fit for my company? And the five dysfunctions of a firm from Patrick Lencioni is a very good way to sort of think about that. And let's be honest, but we're waiting for a catalyst. We're waiting to blame the market and to say, well, I can't keep you because, you know, the market, whatever. When in reality, we're doing it's a culture fire. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, I, I call that a leader's cop out, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not dealing with the real accountability they need to deal with with that person. And um, that they're, they're using the economy as a way out, right? So, yeah. hey, Ben, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for you to come on this show. I know you're early on in the game. We talked to a lot of leader, different types of leaders in here, but I, I, I feel real honored to have you come on and share with humility some of the things that you did, um, knowing that you're not necessarily proud of them. But listen to me, I'm sharing with you that you're going to help an entrepreneur out there that's suffering from the same things that the uh just from what you said today so i really appreciate you bringing on the show and i look forward to our friendship continuing on into the future same david thank you for all you've taught me i appreciate it all right you have a great day this is strategy sherpa show and we'll be right back after these messages Birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Velato. Our vision at Velato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. 
Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the show. This is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherp Show. And uh, we just had a great guest on here, Ben Cross. I, I think that uh, uh, from Glomo, uh, I love talk. I love meeting Ben about a year and a half ago. Um, we met at an EO event in Dallas and had the opportunity to talk a little bit uh, socially. He came to one of the workshops or the events I did for EO Dallas, and him and I just sort of hit it off a little bit. He reminded me when I was young and getting started with my business and. And, uh, I, and I really enjoyed talking to them. And as, as part of what we do in some of our workshops, when you come to the full day workshop, we come and spend four hours with you at your business uh, and just answer questions for you and help you implement anything that you've learned in the workshop a little further. And we don't charge to do that because we felt, feel that if you come to the workshop and you really get start to use scaling up, you may need us someday. Ben hasn't been one of those people that hired us, but he's de definitely benefited from some of the things that we've done other than come to a workshop or things like that. He's been involved in it. He sat down and did his plan for 2023. He had pretty high aspirations. And what he found is a little bit of his ego got in his way. He was just multiplying everything by two. And then he made some pretty common mistakes that people make when they first start a company. One of the first things we have to do is we have to look at cycles. Um, cycles, business goes, goes in cycles. The economy goes up and down. And as the economy is going up and down, how does it affect our individual business? I was talking to one of uh, my CEOs the other day, and we were talking a little bit about the economy. And he was actually telling me that they've started to slow down because they do better in a down economy than they do in an up economy. So he thinks things are starting to come back to life a little bit. He says they're not fully back. They're doing fairly well still um, just because this year has been a great year for him. But for Ben, that was the exact opposite. His business goes down in the cycle. And usually his business is the start of the um, cycle downturn. Now, we knew this downturn probably wouldn't be very long. But we really don't know how long it'll be. But he really got hurt from this downturn. He had taken his best producers and made them leaders. A common problem that a lot of us do, we take the next person in line to be promoted instead of thinking about, hey, where does that person really belong in the company and where do they really excel and shine? He ended up moving one of these uh, ladies back into that position that she was in to begin with, and she picked it right back up and has grown it again. So he showed that when you go back and you just fix the, uh, the issue with common sense and practicality back into his decision-making, um, it was easy to make those decisions. And this lady has come right back and re restored the company back to where it needs to be as far as that end of the business goes. Now, he's going to still have a downturn with the rest of the business, but it's probably a lot more sustainable. So he has two revenue streams now, and he's developing both of them, not just one of them. And so it's really interesting how he's fixed this problem and what he'll probably pay attention to going into the future. It's not just going to be one or the other. It's both things. And I need to focus on both items in the business all the time and pay attention to what where the needs are for those 
parts of my business. Um, like I said, I'm going to be doing a, a cash workshop in, at the end of uh, January, January 30th, actually, at 1 p.m. Central Time. And I'm going to be talking about a little bit about cash inside of your business. Your employees think that you make all this money. You, uh, um, They think that money just grows on tree inside the company. I, I uh, Just recently, one of my clients had an employee tell them, that they thought that the what they were charging for the product, like if they were charging a thousand dollars, that's how much cash they had. The employee didn't even realize that there were expenses against that cash, like his payroll. And so, so it, it's oftentimes they just don't understand what's going on, and they think you're making tons of money. And how do we get them to help us with cash more and paying attention to cash? So we're going to be talking about a little bit of those things and a little bit about how to improve your cash flow in your business. So if you want better cash flow, come and join us on the on the 30th. That'll be a great workshop where we're talking a little bit about some of these items. Um, some of the other things we have is uh, we have another one on operational fit efficiency coming up in February on the 6th. That's going to be uh, done by Ted Servada. Um, Ted is a strategy coach at Assure Strategy like I am. And um, he'll be talking about a little bit about operational effectiveness and how to really get your business model lined up with your strategy inside of your company. And then on the 15th, we're going to be doing another full day workshop on people in, in Phoenix, Arizona, um, how to make change easier in your workshop. And that'll be done by Kane Pekovic again. Uh, she loves talking about this subject and helping people with that change, uh, change capacity in their company. And that will be on the 15th. And that's a full day workshop from 8 to 5 p.m. So if you're interested, and that's in Phoenix, Arizona. So if you're interested... Get on the website, take a look at it. We have some early bird discounts right now on that one. The webinars are free, but we do charge for our workshops. We charge a nominal fee just to make sure that we uh, have it at a great venue with great food and an uncomfortable environment for learning. So we're just trying to make sure that we can cover those costs. And um, then we can share the information with you. Great for HR type of people to come to these types of things, especially the one on change. A lot of times leaders get frustrated about getting changed through their company and uh, HR needs to be a part of it as well as the leaderships uh, in the company. And that, that workshop is probably good for directors and above as well as the HR staff at any level uh, to learn about change and how to help change get through your company. So with Ben's lessons today, a little bit about humility, a little bit about trying to make sure that we stay focused on normal growth, not doubling of growth, um, and make sure that our big, hairy, audacious goals line up to our business. Yeah, you want it, it, it needs to scare you when you set it, but it needs to be within a relevant bound of, of, of what the limitations of the business are. And right now, he just has some limitations of resources, and that is very common in startup companies. And when we're chasing too many things, as a startup company, or we're going too fast in our growth, we get ourselves in some trouble. And a lot of businesses never make it out of that. More businesses, when they start, go out of uh, go out of business from too much opportunity than not not enough opportunity. And so, you really want to make sure 
that you're allocating your resources to a few things that are really important to your business and not take on 10 items that you're spreading your resources way too thin on. So um, again, people go out of business far more from too much opportunity than not enough opportunity. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. I'm David Chavez. It's an honor to have you here. And, and please visit and ch- look at some of our other shows. We have a lot of shows from a lot of different leaders at a lot of different levels inside of the company. And we're really trying to expose some of the things that they could have done a little bit better. You know, at the time when they did it, they thought it was great. But um, then it just didn't work out as well as they thought. And then what they had to do to go back and fix it. You can see that Ben has to be has gotten a lot tighter with this culture and some other things just because of this experience, which has made him now a better entrepreneur. Again, this is the Strategy Sherpa Show. Thank you for coming. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.